0: Hello, this is Jacqueline Hellier and you're on the Tantric Lounge. Welcome back to another hour of talking sex, science and spirituality so that I can help you become further empowered in your sexuality and closer to reaching your full human potential. And I'm joined with me, as usual, with my lovely co-host, Saviour Watercamer. Good morning, world.
1: Well, it's not morning everywhere, is it? No. It's morning here. It's morning here.
0: <laughs> and it's evening in other places in the world, and it's the middle of the night, and isn't it amazing? Well, it, it feels like the, the
1: middle of the night. It, well, let's get right onto the show this morning. It's, um, today, it's sex therapy with a twist of tantra.
0: It is indeed. I thought it might be interesting for people to learn a little bit more about how I, as a therapist, incorporate tantric. Approaches in, into the work I do with individuals and couples. Okay, so um, first off, what's the latest on Planet Jacqueline? Oh, well, all sorts of things uh, are happening, more ebooks coming out, had my first a live tantric lounge which is fantastic and oh retreats workshops the whole thing and lots and lots of clients who all come to seek my wisdom and advice and
1: that's really the subject of today's show isn't it it's about it's about clients and how they come to you and why they come to you yes you talk uh, you describe yourself as both a sex therapist and a Mm -hmm. sex coach that's true so what's the difference between sex therapy and sex coaching Right.
0: Okay. Well, it's like it's all on a continuum, really. There's no, you can't sort of put, I mean, I hate boxes anyway. And I think one of the problems in our society is we put everything in little boxes. But just for the sake of ease of explanation, if you think that there's this continuum of dysfunctionality through to functionality. Okay. So therapy is mostly dealing with dysfunction, things that really aren't working and fixing those until you get to a point of being functional so that things are working
1: so it's repair stuff that's gone wrong
0: yes yes then sex coaching is when things are pretty well okay and you want them to be better
1: so it's more like uh, as a sex therapist you're like a doctor that treats people who may have a minor injury
0: mm-hmm.
1: whereas as a sex coach mm-hmm. you're more like a exercise coach a fitness coach, people who are already more or less healthy but want to improve on that health.
0: Yes, indeed.
1: Not that it's that black and white.
0: No, it's not. And as I say, it's a continuum. You can't sort of say, okay, you people are dysfunctional, therefore you need therapy, and you people, you're functional, so you need sex coaching.
1: Wrong, wrong.
0: No, And, and look, I couldn't even tell you with individual clients when I'm doing therapy or when I'm doing coaching particularly.
1: Because it's not that black and white.
0: No, no. Sometimes it's really clear. So, for instance, um, I often work with people who have had, for instance, very bad um, childhood sexual abuse, yeah, or... Any kind of childhood sexual abuse, really, and often because when there's no such thing as good as child <laughs> sexual abuse. No, 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 and um, or, or have had some kind of sexual trauma and so forth. That even if it's as an adult. So when they come to me, they've often they're often you know very closed off. They're very negative around sex. They're very problematic. They often have issues around anxiety and so forth. Okay, so that's that's definitely dysfunctional. So the kind of way that I work with them is different to if someone comes in who goes, Hey, I love. Sex and I want to learn some more and I want to be like you. Sometimes people say to me, I just want to be like you. I want to know what you know. True. Right? That's a, that's a very different sort of a thing. But, but ultimately the outcome is the same.
1: So how does Tantra fit yeah. into sex therapy slash sex coaching? How, does, how, do you, how do you have sex therapy with a twist of Tantra <laughs> or maybe more than a twist?
0: Yes. I, I personally believe it's very much at the essence of everything that I do. I'm very much inspired by Tantra and the Tantric approach. And just to stress, when I say Tantra and the Tantric approach, I'm not talking the kind of Tantra they did in 5th century India. I'm talking about the essence of the approach, which is about mindfulness and consciousness and slowing things down and really getting connected within yourself and with your partner.
1: Because when we talk about Tantra, the first step is always to think it's about mindful, Mm -hmm. conscious Yes. Aware sexuality.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Okay, so let's take an example. Like uh, we've got a list of things here that we might mm-hmm. want to go through. yep In terms of couples. Yes. Let's say the couple comes into you. They have different desire levels. Yes. a Common issue among couples. Very common. How yes. do you apply the aware the, the tantra and the insights of tantra to say that
0: yes. issue? Yes. Yes. Okay. So first of all, what I always do with people is normalize things right, just to let them know that they're perfectly normal and it's absolutely common. In fact, it's almost inevitable that a couple will have differing levels of desire. There's always going to be a lower desire partner and there's always going to be a higher desire partner. So, you know, that sort of calms people down because we've got to get people out of their heads and sort of worrying about, am I normal and is this good and is this right? And then I also have to get them sort of on the same playing field. And that means that whoever's got the higher level of Whoever's got the higher confidence in a way, because generally it's the one with the higher confidence who thinks that they're okay and their partner's got the problem. Right? So it doesn't matter whether that's the higher desire partner or the lower desire partner. So we've got to get them calm, we've got to get them equal, we've got to get them seeing that they're both the same, that they're on the same team, that they're working together. Right? And part of that is about getting clearer within themselves about who they are and what they want what they need sexually, and that requires them to slow down, (laughs) to sink in.
1: It also requires them to ask themselves questions that they might not have asked themselves and to share with each other. Yes. What is it about the uh, therapeutic environment, if you like, that Mm. allows people to open up? to a therapist yes. where they don't necessarily open up with each other mm. when they're alone. It seems like a paradox. You'd think that people yeah. think doing, uh, thinking about something as private and intimate as sexuality yes. would find it easier to discuss when they're alone than when there's a third party involved. But here you are yes. and you help them to open up. How does that work? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense <laughs> to me.
0: Yes, uh, because opening up sexually is quite scary Okay, And when you take this, the, the tantric approach is very much about creating a safe space, creating sanctuary, yeah? Create, creating a space where you know you're safe and it's okay. And a lot of people can't do that on their own. They've got too much attached to sex or they've got too much history or they don't know what's right or what's wrong and they get very offen- uh, defensive or offensive with their partner around things. When they come and see me, right, they're in a safe space. My my consulting room is beautiful. <laughs> it's very relaxing. And my presence is also a very relaxing, calming, gentle influence.
1: And there me. is that idea that they are outside of their normal space, so yes. they're not going to be interrupted by their children or by no. life or anything else. Mm. You have reserved that hour or usually that couple of hours because it's usually two hours, isn't they, I two?
0: S- With couples, I start with two hours, With
1: yes. two hours, yeah. yeah, yeah. So usually they no. know that they've set aside that space specifically mm-hmm. to... Mm-hmm deal with these issues. Yes, yes. And it's that safety that allows them to open up. Mm, It is. They don't have a pretext. They don't have an excuse. There's nothing to distract them from focusing entirely on that thing. Yes.
0: And also my role in this is energetically, if I can use that term, is energetically to hold the space for them, okay? So it's not like they're trying to hold the space for each other or whatever. I'm there. They're safe. I guide them. You know, if things get heated or if anyone gets emotional or stuck, I just gently prompt and and I guide. Okay, Okay, so just quickly,
1: differing desire levels, you normalise them, you tell Mm -hmm. them that, yes, this is perfectly normal. Yes. And so the tantric approach is to stay there, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: give them a sense of normality, and then what?
0: Well, I'll generally give them different guided exercises and so forth. Okay, but also explain a lot too about, in fact, some of the things that we've just been talking about, because generally what gets in the way, okay, so the lower desire person, um, which I have to say is just as often the man as the female in terms of the people who come to see me, and of course with same-sex couples, (laughs) they have lower desire partners and higher desire partners as well. So it's not a male-female thing, which taps into one of our recent shows, doesn't it, Um, is finding out what the lower desire partner needs in terms of being able to get in the mood and so forth, okay, and being able to share that and for them to co-create the time and the space for that to happen.
1: This also includes other problems like neither party's interested or having trouble getting to sex. Oh, It's a very similar approach.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, while I can see a lot of couples who have differing levels of desire, I also see an awful lot of couples where neither of them have much desire. Right? They'll, they'll come to me and, you know, generally they'll say, that we really love each other, we've got a great relationship, everything's really good, but we just can't get around to sex. We're just not doing it. And it's not because we don't want to. Um, it's just that somehow it doesn't happen, right? And so... Part of what we were just talking about in terms of the space that I create in the clinical environment, well, not that I'd call it clinical because clinical makes you think of no, sterile I've white. And- to,
1: I've been to your room, so it nothing like a surgery.
0: No, no, no. It's just it's like a lounge.
1: Yes, it is. This is I it's why it. like a lounge. It's like a nice room with yes. nice light and good ventilation. And- yeah,
0: and a com- comfy couches. And comfy and couches. Nice yeah. artwork and, yeah. But, see... When I create that space for people, I'm also modeling the kind of space that people need to create in their home, own homes, right? And the problem that we've had in the West with sex being this bad, dirty thing that we sort of put in a little box over there and don't talk about and just kind of do it is it's not made special, right? And people have got myths around spontaneity and everything and that it's all got to be spontaneous or it's not good and so forth. When in fact, this kind of approach almost ritualizes sex. Right? It actually says sex is this really beautiful thing that we do together that we share. It's a celebration of our love. It's a celebration of our desire. It's something that's going to benefit us as individuals and as a couple. Right, So they will create that same kind of safe space, sacred space even. In their own homes.
1: I think, guess, maybe the, the reason that that would work is because it gives them something to, for want of a better word, aspire to. Mm-hmm. Many people come into sex therapy getting over years of betrayal mm-hmm. or hurt, mm. and that's a very negative space to be in emotionally and mentally. Yeah. So, by creating a more positive vision mm-hmm. of the future, you yes. can gradually tease them out of that negative space and lead them to
0: a more positive one. Absolutely. And that's what the coaching approach is all about, as opposed to the more traditional therapeutic approaches. The coaching approach is solutions focused. It's forward thinking, right? So, yes, so much of what I do is actually inspiration. A lot of it is education, the sorts of things that we've been doing in these radio shows where we're busting myths and giving people sort of real information about sex and doing it in an inspiring, encouraging, light, <laughs> desirous way so that people get a sense of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. That sounds great. I can do that. We can do that.
1: And it's never too late for that approach because a lot of people <laughs> that come to you are actually empty nesters. They're oh, mature couples yes. that have grown children. Yes. They may even be grandparents. Yes. They're now finding, oh, we have all of this time on our hands mm. that isn't mm-hmm. focused on the children or the grandchildren or whatever. Yes. We have a new life to create. We're we're not even maybe working as much anymore. We may be mm-hmm. semi-retired or fully retired. Mm-hmm. And here we are after having spent decades being other people to other people and we yes. now have to rediscover who we are to each other.
0: Mm. Beautifully put. Yes. And that I see lots of people like that and particularly coming to my workshops and retreats as well. Exactly. A lot of people when they get to, you know, say their 50s, you know, depending on when they had their children, it's generally late 40s, into their 60s, and they go, right, now it's our time. Now it's time for us to really focus on us. You know, the last 15, 20 years have been pretty intense with kids and this is our time because these days so many people get to, you know, middle age, late middle age, however you want to classify it, they're still very healthy, they're pretty fit, they look pretty good, and, yeah, they're generally pretty financially stable by that point and, You know, they're sort of cruising in their careers. They're not building their careers. Like you do sort of late 20s through to early 40s, mid-40s, tends to be that building, building kind of phase of life. And,
1: in fact, a lot of the things that get in the way of having a more rigorous, (laughs) for want of a better word, sex life, when you are doing that building phase, consolidating, paying off the mortgage part of your (laughs) life, now no longer applies. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the habits that have been built up over those decades are pretty hard to break. They are which is why so many people have trouble with retirement and all that, that mm. sort of stuff, mm. and also rediscovering and rekindling a sex life and the reasons why you got together in the first
0: place. Yes, yes. And, and ideally you'll see that the reasons that got you together in the first place, they're still there, but you've also got all this wonderful history together and you're much more mature and, you know, braver and experienced and sex can actually be way better. In your middle age, towards late later later age, than it was when you were young.
1: And then, of course, there are a lot of people who aren't with the same partner that they were when they started this, yes. and they're now with new partners. Mm. And but this, but it's still the same issue.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The habits formed over decades need to be re looked yes. at, and especially with a new, with a relatively new partner mm. with whom you have less history or a new history, a better history, mm. whatever it is.
0: Mm. Yes. So, you know, when I'm, I work with two kinds of couples in a way um, of that sort of later age, the over 45 so, or whatever we, we're going to call it. It's either couples who come to me together and say, okay, now it's our turn. We need to work on our sex life together. Or it'll just be one person in a couple who'll kind of go, okay, I want this to work now. And sometimes their partner won't come along with them. So they're sort of starting out on this journey alone. And it's particularly women of that age. Women hitting their postmenopausal women come to me and they go, right, i got to get this sex thing happening. I want to get in touch with my sexuality and femininity. And well, it's really powerful. Well,
1: sex and menopause is a whole huge other subject, which we might get to in another program at some point. After the break, we'll look at um, people wanting to explore tantric approaches mm-hmm. and we'll focus more maybe on some of the men issues and some of the women issues, particular to men and women. Yeah, sure. Sounds after, sounds the good. Bre- after the break. And welcome back. And today on the Tantric Lounge, we're looking at sex therapy or sex coaching with a twist of Tantra. Yes. And the men that come to your clinic, hmm. well, it's not really a clinic, is it? What do you call it? What do you
0: call I don't know what to call it. Sometimes I call it my rooms. Um, <laughs> your rooms? Well, yeah, because there's a French bistro out the front. Okay, so,
1: okay. so, so, so the, people, the people who come to Jacqueline's rooms for sex therapy and sex coaching, yeah. um, one of the big problems that men come with is the desire to last longer Mm. or in some cases even shorter although I can't imagine why you'd want it to last shorter maybe they're really busy
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think you misunderstand my notes (laughs) no some men actually have a lot of trouble orgasming ah yeah and so they just kind of keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going and And it just
1: get what takes seemingly forever yes. so what so what's the tantric approach to dealing with that problem
0: right okay so what tends to happen with these gentlemen is they get stuck in their heads right so for them sex has become very much a performance type of activity and they get performance anxiety no. And they worry that they're going to come too quickly or they worry that they're not going to come at all. And I actually put the erectile dysfunction in this a lot of the time as well. They're worried that they're going to lose their erection and so forth.
1: Or want better erections. Yes. What, yes. Did, what, the, what does that mean, wanting a better erection? They-
0: <laughs> well, a lot of guys look at porn these days and they think that that's what an erection is supposed to be. And uh, they sometimes forget that the most activity on a porn set is actually that of the fluffers. And the fluffers are actually the girls who are there specifically to keep the males erect. So there's an awful lot of action offset because the male leads constantly losing their erections. So they go offset, the fluffers will do what they need to do to get the erection back up again, and then they're back on for another take. So it is actually very normal for erections to come and go. But if you watch porn, you'd think that men have these rock hard cocks for endless all, hours.
1: All the time, which is mm. possibly part of the head space problem mm. because men, you say that the men who want their to last longer or mm-hmm. to, to, get, to get it out of the way <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> or whatever have, the, have this preconception that sex should look like porn. Yes. So the tantric approach is saying, well, sex yeah. isn't about what it looks like. Sex yeah. is about what it feels what like. What it
0: feels like, yes. So one of the key things that we've got to get clear first off is what is sex about? Is sex about putting on a good performance and giving your partner lots of orgasms? Or is it about sharing a mutually pleasurable experience of which orgasms and erections and things like that are part of?
1: The men that come to you wanting to be better lovers in general mm. need to hear this.
0: Yes, yes. Yes, and I have to say I love it when guys come to me and they say, I want to be a better lover, right, um, because it's fantastic. As I say, you know, like sex is like an art. It's like a hobby. It's, you know, if you want to be skillful at it, then you have to be diligent in your practice and your learning. And so when they come to me and they say, I just I just want to be a better lover, tell me what I need to know, yeah. And, and what like they need to, to know is to become
1: more aware of what they're feeling.
0: yes. Yes. And so I'll give them lots of private practices to take away at home to get more in touch with themselves. And then as they become more in touch with themselves, then they can communicate at all levels with their partner. And then their lovemaking becomes a flow. It's like a dance. So he's not in his head thinking, okay, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this move, and then I'm going to try that technique. Yeah, it's, it's just about getting in touch, you know. The heart centers are connected. The sexual centers are connected. And what the mind is doing is more like just overseeing the whole thing and occasionally putting in little creative ideas and so forth. But it's not you're not controlling the the encounter with your head. Women, of
1: course, also want to be better lovers, although yes. they don't normally phrase that in those terms. No, they tend to say things more like uh, wanting to enjoy better sex or mm. wanting to enjoy sex. Full stop. Yes. Wanting to become orgasmic, wanting to become more confident sexually,
0: mm.
1: wanting to learn skills at pleasuring their partner, which mm. is, again, what men want. They just tend to phrase these things in different ways. Yes. The female approach or the approach for women mm. is much the same as it is for men.
0: Yes. Yes, pretty much. Because become
1: aware of what you're feeling. Yes. Who are you? Yes. What do you want out of this experience?
0: Yes, get out of your head about what your expectations are so that the anxiety starts to go, so that the fear start start to go so that you don't you know you're not looking like, at sex like a performance activity with key performance indicators you know must have a hard cock must have an, an orgasm at such and such a time you know for the women it's often like you know must come before five minutes are up otherwise he's going to get bored or you know
1: as if <laughs> as if they're carrying this whole list of things in their heads with boxes that they have to tick and if they haven't yes. ticked all the boxes <gasps> yes, I'm doing something wrong I must be inadequate or I must be
0: yes. rigid or
1: I must yes.
0: be and what's so funny It's not funny, it's sad. But often people are carrying around this list of things that need to be ticked off, but they don't even know what's in the list. (laughs) They just know that there's all these sorts of things they should be doing for it to be good, but they don't even know what those things are. (laughs) It's pretty
1: difficult to, to even tick boxes from a list that you don't even know what's in the list.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And all of this gets in the way with a very fundamental aspect of sex that people don't talk about often enough. Hmm. And that is intimacy. Yes. <laughs> because all this gets in the way of intimacy. It does. What is intimacy? What is it about?
0: Intimacy. intimacy is when two people completely open to each other and can merge energetically.
1: And that does not mean comparing lists.
0: No, it doesn't. Or... All- you know, ticking off your key performance indicators. Oh,
1: your key performance. Oh, we have matching key performance <laughs> indicators. That must mean that we're being intimate. Oh, good, that we can tick that intimacy box too now. Yes,
0: and in fact, paradoxically, you know, sometimes when people are having sex, it's the least intimate that they're being. They're just completely shut off to each other. They're completely in their heads. Like their genitals might be joining, but their hearts aren't and their minds their minds aren't. Their minds are completely stuck within themselves, thinking, I hope I'm getting this right. Oh, my God, I hope I don't come too quickly. Oh, my God, I hope I do come. Oh, God, I suppose if I fake it, then he'll be happy.
1: So there's all this dialogue, monologue going on in their heads.
0: Yes, and then, you know, often women have got the double whammy that they're also thinking, oh, my God, did I remember to put the washing on? Oh, and Auntie Sue's coming next week. I better make sure I go to the show. Oh, shivers, I'm having sex. I should be focusing on the sex. But will I have time to go and do that? Gosh, I've got to focus on that. (laughs) And then the baby starts crying. Gee,
1: that really doesn't sound very sexy at all. Well. <laughs> it's
0: not sexy. <laughs> it's not sexy. Which
1: possibly, lead, which might lead to some of the questions that we've been gathering. As mm-hmm. um, our listeners might know, we often gather the questions beforehand yes. because people don't necessarily write in mm. while the show is going mm. on. Mm. They'll think about what we're talking mm. about. They'll think about the stuff and then they write questions, which is perfectly okay. And yes. really listeners don't have to feel restricted to writing questions, you can share with us uh, your experiences Mm -hmm. or any feedback that you'd like. We're always happy to hear from you at any level. Feel free to always um, write in at jacquelinehellia.com
0: no, or questions, at, questions at, the at lounge and
1: questions at the tantric lounge.com. Dot dot com. Um, here's one from Paula from Cessnock in New South Wales. Mm. My husband and I went to marriage counselling to fix our sexual problems, but all we did was to learn to communicate better, which was probably helpful, but it didn't fix our sex lives. Mm. Um, do you think improving communication has a place in sex therapy?
0: Definitely. Definitely, but to a point. Now, the thing is, is that most more mainstream counsellors and therapists and so forth aren't actually trained in sexuality, so they don't really know how to help people sexually. What they're trained in is helping people to, you know, be more open and more communicative with each other. Now, for some people, that are, that's enough to improve their sex lives right? But generally it's not. And I get a lot of people who've been to marriage counsellors and so forth. And yes, they're in a better place in their relationship, which is great, but they still haven't been able to deal with the sex things. And quite often the, um, the therapist they're working with um, hasn't really been able to deal with sexual issues. Um, so yes, often... So,
1: got, so they get better at saying, I really feel yes. this isn't working, Yes, which is a great first step, but it still doesn't help with the actual <laughs> thing that's not working.
0: Yeah, well, particularly if it's sex, because, you know, like they often come and they're better at sort of handling the household issues and, you know, dealing with each other's families and your, well, their parenting issues, they're better at all of that. But then when it gets to sex and, you know, I actually think, and there's no offence to my colleagues, my mainstream counselling colleagues, but often the the counsellors themselves aren't particularly comfortable with sex. Right? which is why I love it when you know psychologists and counsellors and so forth come and work with me or do my workshops and stuff so, because I think it's really, really important that if you're trying to help people in these areas and if you're working with couples, sex is a really big part of it, you personally need to be very comfortable with it yourself. Um, yeah, so just as we talked about when couples come to see me in my rooms, in my lounge, in my consulting rooms, it's, it's about being able to create a space for them. And if we're talking sex, it has to be a particularly safe space. And ideally, it's going to be quite a delicious, yummy, relaxing space. I often encourage couples to make sure that their bedroom is a beautiful, it's beautiful, it's a sanctuary. It's a space that's just for them. And they don't allow anything from the outside world to come in, right? And then they can sink into this space. And then they can start sinking into each other. And then it's much easier to open up from the heart about what you really want, and when you open up from the heart, then you can also open up from the sexual centre as well. But you have to open up the heart first.
1: I might say at this point mm. that I've just realised something. What? A lot of people, mm. the biggest killer that they have for their sex lives in the bedroom is having a television in the bedroom.
0: Oh, God, yes. That's one of my number one no-nos, no televisions in the bedroom.
1: Because it takes you out of your... It does. ..the sacredness. It's like having the whole world in your bedroom.
0: Yes, yes. Yes, and the same applies to any bits of, of technology with a screen on. Yeah, I mean, these days, so often I get talking to couples about their, their, their phone use because they're sitting in bed playing on their phones or, you know, their tablets and things, and it's, it's not just televisions. Yes. But
1: so, so to answer Paula's question, mm-hmm. yes, improving communication does have a place in sex therapy, yes. but, it's not, but it's just the first step.
0: Yes. Yes, it's part of it. And sometimes people do too much of the communication, right, because it, over-talking sex can be unsexy as well, right? Sometimes you just got to go with it. Well, yes, and sometimes people, I can, in fact, I can often tell when couples have done a lot of marriage counselling because often what happens is the wife will sit up all perky and confident and she'll and the guy will be sort of slumping in the corner of the couch you know sort of oh god here we go again and the wife will be up there and she'll just launch straight in with her well, blah 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 this is what's going on with us and blah 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 and this is what his stuff is and this is what my stuff is and blah 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 and the guy's just sitting there going yeah 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 right and you know all they're doing is talking around their problems like they're talking about the problems but they're not actually looking at what they need to do right So when I stop them and I sort of say, so what are you going to do about it? She'll look completely shocked. And if I turn to him and say, so what do you want out of this? (laughs) He looks really shocked because he's like, what, you want my opinion? Like, I have a say in this? And
1: And this could also be because not all sex therapy or not all sex therapy is equal. Mm. Uh, There's a letter here from John from Sioux Falls. In South Dakota, my girlfriend went to a sex therapist who said we needed to be more intimate with each other. But she was so cold and hard; she wouldn't know intimacy if she tripped over it. Totally put us off. I'm assuming that we're talking about the therapist being so cold and hard, not the girlfriend. <laughs> grammar, John, grammar. Uh, so, what? How, how do you how do you deal with people who have not met, probably had? maybe have had not the most positive experience with other therapists.
0: Yes. Well, look, people, please don't give up. Like it's actually really important for whatever kind of therapy you're doing, whether it's sexual or anything, I actually think the most important issue is that you and your therapist or your coach or whoever happens to be you're working with, that you've got a good rapport, that you feel comfortable with them, right, that you have that sense that this person can help us, right? So as with, was it John? Yes. John and his girlfriend went to see someone who they felt was cold and hard. Okay, obviously not a good match. But it may well be that that particular therapist would have been good for another couple, okay? I know, you know, some people come to me and you can just tell, this is not a good fit. They're not, this isn't going to work, right? Our values are different, our approach is different. So they need to go and see someone else.
1: So don't necessarily get put off because... One no. therapist,
0: no, no, definitely didn't not. work
1: for you. Yeah, don't condemn the whole profession or the whole activity. No,
0: no, no, no. And you know, I've, I've seen a lot of people who've been to see other therapists and other sex therapists, and hasn't really worked for them. Um, one of the reasons they've often gone to see the others first is because they're a lot cheaper than me, I'm quite expensive. Um, but I like to, but think worth every penny, I'm you sure, you get what you <laughs> pay for.
1: <laughs> um, Lee from Winnipeg in Manitoba, Canada. I'm having sexual difficulties with my fiance, and we've only been together 16 months. It's nor- Is it normal to have these problems so early on? Do you think we should see a sex therapist and how can we tell if it's a good one?
0: Ah, right. Well, we've answered the last part of that question already, yes. So, you know, especially these days a lot of, a lot of us have uh, websites. So go on the website. You can often get a really good feel for the person from the website. I mean, I have to say most of the people who come to see me, you know, They already know me because if you go to my website, you get a really good feel for me, who I am and and how I work and so forth. Okay. Um, But then, you know, go along for the first session, see how you feel. And it is normal to have problems early on. And as having problems early, yes, absolutely. I always congratulate uh, younger couples or newer couples who come to see me and I say to them, you know, you're pretty lucky actually in some ways that you've got this big problem right now because if you overcome this now, you're building resilience you're learning how to, um, how to deal with problems really early in your relationship. So this will set you up for the future because there's always going to be issues that will come and go. So good on you for coming in nice and early. Yeah, definitely.
1: And we'll return for some other questions after the break.
0: We will indeed. Hello, this is Jacqueline Hellier. Welcome back to the Tantric Lounge with my co-host, Xavier Walter Kane.
1: And we have another question. This yes. time, Peter from Sligo in Ireland. I think it's pronounced Sligo. Oh, right. Ireland. Yes, well, we are. To be, Hello, sure, to be Peter. Sure. Yeah, yes, 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 I'm sure he loves that. Um, I went to see a tantric healer for a few sessions. Mm. She was amazing. I felt my heart opening and I cried and I'm a man's man. All we did was breathe together and hug and things, no sex as such. I definitely feel it shifted something in me and I make love differently now. So Peter's basically telling us Mm. that this awareness, breathy, airy-fairy stuff that we've been going on about in these programs actually Mm. does work.
0: Absolutely it works. Absolutely it works. And that's why I think if you're not incorporating these approaches in, in sex therapy, then it's going to be a little bit empty, right? because essentially good quality lovemaking is about opening the heart to each other it's not just about the genitals
1: but before you can open your heart to mm. another mm-hmm. you need to open your heart to yourself to yourself and Absolutely. this is the first the vital first step that most mm. approaches and most therapies don't look at
0: mm. um, That reminds me of a a client I've been working with for a while, a lovely, lovely man in his early 30s who just, as it's turned out, we've been doing a lot of sort of more therapy, I suppose, with him and and getting to help him know himself and so forth and teaching him some basic um, tantric stuff. So he then took himself off to uh, a tantric goddess practitioner type person, and there's some very good ones out there. And she did more hands-on stuff with him because I, I don't do that. I'm a, tu- I'm a talk therapist, not a touch therapist, not a body worker. And uh, he came back to me and, and he had tears in his eyes too. <laughs> he said it was just beautiful. He said he actually said out loud, I am worthy of love, right? And he's quite a high-powered corporate lawyer, this chap. And it was such an enormous breakthrough for him. I am worthy of love because until he felt himself worthy of love, He was never going to attract someone into his life who could love him.
1: This is a very important point because a lot Mm. of Tantra works with energetics. Mm -hmm. And as individuals, we're constantly broadcasting our vibe. Yes. So if our vibe is broadcasting, I am not worthy of love, Mm. chances are, you're going to meet up with somebody who also doesn't feel worthy of love, and so you're going to end up with two people who either don't feel worthy of love, not feeling worthy together, yes, or you're going to meet up with somebody who has an even nastier agenda in their head, yes. which is you're not worthy of love, and I'm going to prove it to you because mm-hmm. my game is proving to you that you're not worthy of love.
0: Yes, absolutely. Which is why I people control could, and dominate you.
1: Who want to control, and dominate you, and not in a good way.
0: No. No. Not
1: in a liberating way. No. More as in a, I'm going to continue to prove to you how right you are about how unworthy mm-hmm. of love you are.
0: Yes, yes, and that'll just reinforce that to that person that they're not. Yes, so they'll either grow old and lonely without ever having met someone, or they'll be in a, a very, an abusive relationship.
1: Which might also explain another value of the therapy slash coaching. Mm approach in that it's difficult (coughs) to get out of the energetic vibe of i'm not worthy because if you're on your own Mm. i'm not worthy only leads to attracting people who will reinforce the i'm not worthy yes you need to be in a space at least temporarily where Mm -hmm. somebody says we need to look at your worthiness issue
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so until you can feel worthy however Mm -hmm. you get there through talking or through touching or through some other way of going about things yes
0: yes absolutely absolutely
1: And then you can start, and then only then do you even have a hope Mm. or a more realistic hope of finding somebody who will consider you worthy because they also are worthy and they want to share that worthiness.
0: They do. And it's one of the key things I say to people, you have to be with someone who's worthy of you. And that's really challenging for so many people who's worthy of me, right? And and for many people, it's even like, whoa, I have a choice because a lot of people will go with people just because they like them. I mean, so many, so many couples, or where they've kind of got together simply because the other person was interested in them, but they never actually consciously chose that person. They never actually said, "Yes, this person is right for me. This is, this person is worthy of me."
1: Yes, it's I, it's it's a strange thing that people will get together mm. because they like them, or both because they're okay. Mm-hmm. But there's no sense of yes, pass my tests.
0: Yes, in a positive. In way. In a positive
1: way, because yeah. there's also a very negative aspect of yeah. that. There are some people who build themselves into ivory towers, and they say, oh, yes. "No one will ever be good enough for me."
0: Yes, mm. uh,
1: but that's a whole different dynamic. It's
0: a different. That's a dysfunctional dynamic. Yes, and um, one thing that's interesting, just on this topic, is um, is for when a, when couples kind of come to this realization together and they have to grow into this together and they have to realizing that their their past ways of relating have not been positive or that they've been closed off to each other in some way or they've been acting out roles and they have to shed all of that and that's when that's when the true intimacy starts happening because they become very real and very vulnerable see a lot of about a lot of intimacy is about vulnerability and about being okay with being vulnerable because if you are scared about showing your true self to your partner Because you're fearful of their response, whether you're fearful that they'll have an aggressive response or whether you're fearful that you're going to hurt them, then you're not going to be real with them.
1: And and ideally when you go to a tantric practitioner, Mm. you get into that space where you can feel free to be real. Yes. Without being judged on that.
0: Mm. Absolutely.
1: Because not everybody has positive experiences with tantric. Practitioners. no, no I, have, no. I have Josie from South Valley in California. I had a terrible experience with a tantric goddess, in inverted commas, who I felt breached the boundaries of our relationship and did something that made me feel very uncomfortable and I think pretty traumatised. She doesn't specify what. Mm. Uh, my husband says I'm being silly, but it still affects me. Mm. Yes. How do you get over opening up and having had that mm. bite you back?
0: Yeah, Well, yes, it is unfortunate that sometimes these sorts of things can happen. Um, And some, hmm, how can I put this? There are some people out there who aren't properly trained in working with people and they don't understand boundaries very well. Um, which is I, a big issue it's a huge issue and i'm actually a, a sex therapist who believes that we should work with with body workers sexological body workers and and i'm on some boards and stuff around that a lot of sex therapists will be like oh no 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 you can't touch you can't touch you can't touch uh you can you can damage people these sorts of things happen like like what happened to this lady here um i'm actually of the opinion that touch therapy is very useful and can be very vital but i'd like to know that the people who are offering those services, whether as sexological body workers or as tantric goddesses, however they label themselves, tantrikas and so forth, actually have some training in understanding what sexual dysfunction is and about boundaries and so forth.
1: How do you go about assessing whether or not these body workers are Mm -hmm. up to the task?
0: Well, there's only a few people who I would work with. Um, Also surrogates, often they'll call themselves surrogates. That's that's sex workers who... um, do it for uh, therapeutic benefits, and in some ways, I consider it that they go places I can't go, or to be honest, I don't want to go, yeah? and
1: maybe <clears> probably <throat> shouldn't go because as a therapist, you're you're mm. you're in a different space. For yes, them.
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, you're more sometime- like a parent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll give my clients hugs. I'll often hug them at the end, like of a parent or does, something like that. Yes.
1: Yes. But it's inappropriate to do anything <clears throat> yes. beyond
0: that. Yes, we're going to keep our clothes on and I sure as hell don't want to see your, de- your genitals. So, yes, but I'm very happy to help them as they go exploring that further and with with some of these people, I, you know, generally women, unfortunately. I wish we had more men out there who were working with, with men. There are some and I'll probably interview one or two of them at some stage. Got to start bringing some guests on the show. Um, yeah, so, you know, I might brief them and they'll do their thing and feedback to me what they've learned and so forth.
1: And what is their thing?
0: Their thing is to, they can go a little bit further, right? They can actually sit down and touch their partner, t- touch their clients. You know, they could be naked together. They'll give them massages. Uh, they might do some chakra work. Some of them will actually get your genital with them and teach them things about, like how their, their genitals are beautiful, for instance, yeah, how, how to slow down your lovemaking right? So for instance, just to use this chap that I was just talking about, the corporate lawyer, the one who realised he was worthy of love, one of his issues was was he came too quickly as well. And because he had low self-esteem, even though he's an amazingly successful lawyer, um, he had convinced himself that because he came too quickly that no woman would ever want to make love with him, right? So he was completely keeping himself away from women for that reason as well. Okay, And we talked a lot in, in the session about slowing it down and I'd given him some homework to help him slow the whole thing down, get very present, so forth, which actually got him ready to be able to go and see someone. So now he's working with someone who is actually making love to him and showing him actually in the act how to slow it down. So he's actually getting to practice basically what he's learned from me. But again, in a safe space because he doesn't yet have the confidence to be able to go and you know pick up a lady and start having uh, a sexual relationship with her
1: so this is and this is very different from mm-hmm. people going to say sex workers where mm-hmm. it's usually they want to fulfill a fantasy or they just want to do something sexual for the sake of sex this mm-hmm. is a very different approach to sexuality
0: yes although interestingly when you talk to sex workers you'll find that they'll say that a lot of guys do come to them for this kind of purpose, like they are actually seeking some level of intimacy and and openness and so forth. But what's different with this approach is, yes, you're quite upfront with it. You say, this is what I'm here for. You know, I'm here to to learn, to heal, to open up.
1: It's a different sort. Not just to get my rocks off. Yeah, it's a Mm -hmm. different sort of sexual space. It's a different sort of intimate space. Mm -hmm. You describe your practice, we won't call it a clinic, um, (laughs) as a space in which a safe space but mm. there's also the possibility that people can start by creating a safe space in their own homes absolutely so talk, let's talk about that a, a yes. little bit so that people who aren't maybe ready to go mm. or can't afford to go <laughs> yeah. either because of time, time or money yeah. they can still create a sacred space mm. within their own home mm. What are, the ru- what are the rules, what <laughs> yeah, are the guidelines, yes. what are the boundaries yeah. about creating a sacred sexual space in the home?
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. And this is, this is today's take-home message and activity, people. I'm not actually going to guide you through breathing practices or anything like that today. We're going to have a little bit of a chat about how you can create sacred space, beautiful, sensual space for love in your own home. And this applies whether you're um, in a couple, if you're in a relationship, or if you're single as well. Okay, And even if you're in a couple relationship, you also still might want to create separate single space as well. So what what is going to work for you? Now, I'm not going to say you should paint the walls purple, even though purple is supposed to be a great colour for for making love in, and I have to say I've got a lot of purple in my tantric boudoir.
1: Actually, it's mostly black, but let's not go there.
0: Well, yes, well, I've just changed the duna cover. but <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the listeners might be wondering why... You're commenting on my bed linen.
1: Because they they make, well, you know, I've got, I've got, I've I've got, yes, we are actually here in the, well, we're in the tantric lounge part of the, of of your sacred space. I have,
0: I have a a tantric, well, yes, I have sacred space, which is this whole parents retreat, half of which is tantric boudoir and half of which is tantric lounge.
1: So giving the listeners the benefit of your experience with creating sacred spaces, what's the most important, what are the most important elements that a sacred home space should have?
0: It's how it impacts you when you walk through the door. So you need to be able to walk through the door of your bedroom or your space. doesn't have to be the bedroom, but let's just assume it is. You walk through the door and you just go, ah, I can relax here. I can let go. I can walk through this door and leave the world behind me. All right. So that means it needs a few things like it has to be beautiful, whatever that is for you. For some people, it'll be opulent like a Moroccan den. For others, it'll be simple and white and... You know, understated. It doesn't matter what it is, as long as it works for you. Okay. That could be
1: difficult if you're a, a if you're a couple, though, because what if you're what if you're a Moroccan, opulent, lush all over the place, and your partner is minimalist, clean, white?
0: Then you need to negotiate, <laughs> just <laughs> as you have to with so many other parts of married life. <laughs> It's no different to I don't want to visit your in-laws and you don't want to visit mine, (laughs) you know. um, It's just one of those things that couples need to work on. Okay, so. Further to that end. Yes. Now, you need to have nice lighting. You need to be able to dim the lights, right? So you might want to have bright lights for reading in bed. That's fine. But you also need to have lights that are dimmer because it's nice to make love With dim lights.
1: And many people like candles for that reason. Candles
0: are fantastic for that reason as well. And and candles are often scented as well so you can get a beautiful scent going. So let's
1: not ignore the way that the place should smell either.
0: Oh, yes. Like you want to enhance the senses. The more you can enhance the senses, the more luscious and the more beautiful space it becomes. Um, And very importantly, you want to have music, right, because music creates a beautiful atmosphere. It can relax you. It can distract you. It also muffles noise if you're worried about other people in the house hearing it. We're
1: looking at designing the sensual experience for everyone. We're looking at sound design. We're looking at light. We're looking at fabrics and how they feel, not only how they look. texture, yes. Textures. We're looking, and even when you really have a little place for feeding each other, so there's also... Yes, you can
0: bring in taste as well. And so forth.
1: The important thing is that it awakens your sensuality and you feel safe and comfortable in it and it works for you.
0: And in terms of artwork and so forth, it needs to be luscious as well. If you've got any beautiful photos of the two of you being light and positive and, you know, or romantic and, but but positive photos of the two of you, that's really important. Or if you're single, just of yourself. And please do not have photos of the children in the bedroom
1: or your parents.
0: No, or anyone (laughs) other than the two of you. Or you as an individual. Because there
1: are different turns off. So anything that turns you on, leave it in. Anything that turns you on, off, keep it out.
0: Yes, yes.
1: I think that's a great bit of advice for everybody. I think there's something in that for everyone.
0: Yes. And I would encourage you to, to work on this together and to practice getting a cup of tea, sitting on your bed or if you've got a lounge in this beautiful space of yours, before you go to sleep, just sit there with a cup of tea or hot chocolate or whatever. Or coffee. And just, no, no, no. Hold enough coffee, oh, too stimulating. No, no, no. So you're, inter- you're interrupting this beautiful thing I'm creating. Quick, here, quick, baby. quick. So you're sitting there with your beautiful hot coffee or your tea and you're just sitting in this lovely space, just the two of you with some gorgeous music playing, and I just want you to have a chat about how you're feeling.
1: That's great. Thank you.
0: So that's it for today's Tantric Lounge. So I hope you found that beneficial. Please take away all the learnings from it. And if you'd like to send in any questions or comments before our next show, please do questions at the Tantric Lounge. And I invite you to go onto my website, which is www.jacquelinehellia.com or thetantriclounge.com, where you can purchase eBooks and lots of free information and just have a fantastic browse.
1: Till next time.
0: Till next week join you on the Tantric Lounge.